Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode was recorded as part of the Bite Size Skills session series and features Development Officer Roisin McCartney. You already possess, but also perhaps ones that you'd want to gain, you know, as you continue through your, your university career and in the future. Um, the intention in creating these sessions is to help you to talk about these skills at interview. And so the idea is that I will give you a framework around the topic. You match that to your own skills and your own experience. And then at the end of the session, I'll give you some examples of questions um, that you might get asked at interview around the topic. And obviously, I don't want to put the words in your mouth. It is about you developing your own answers to those things. So use what you learned today to help you prepare your answers to the questions. I always tell people, keep your answers in one place so that they're always there for you to build on. So you're basically building up a portfolio of responses that you can use now and a long time into the future. Keep adding to that portfolio because obviously the the examples that you have at this time in your life are going to improve as you go along as well. You're going to have more and more examples to add to that. So the topic of managing your time and working under pressure, I've put under interpersonal skills, but it could also come under operational skills, problem solving, communication, things like that. It's a very transferable skill. Emma, thank you. Those notes are back again. So the core structure for today, folks, um, Obviously, I want to cover why time management is important. And by that, I mean why it's important to you as an individual and why it's important to employers as well. Why, why it's something that they'll always want to ask you about or often want to ask you about. We look at what your time management issues might be, and that's going to be different for everyone. And you will have to be honest with yourself because it's one of those things that you have to be self-aware about. Um, so be honest with yourself in terms of where you're actually spending your time. So in order to be really self-aware about that and to make any progress towards improving your time management, you'll have to be honest about, about it. Not honest with me, I won't be asking you, just honest with yourself. So we'll have a look at a few time management techniques and we'll finish off with those sample interview questions. And hopefully the session will give you enough ideas about how to answer those questions using your own examples and experience. Before we get really started, I just want to give you a heads up that a little later on, I'll give you a little task to do just for a bit of fun. Hopefully it'll demonstrate what I'm, I'm hoping it will demonstrate. And you don't have to do it, but um, you know it, it would be nice for you to do it and maybe to share how it went for you. Again, you don't have to do that. Um, but if you'd like to do it, then you'll need to have a timer. So perhaps the timer on your phone would be perfect. And also a pen or pencil and a bit of paper. So that's your heads up. Pen, pen or pencil, bit of paper and something to time yourself. Okay, so being a good time manager involves quite a lot of different skills usually around how you organize yourself, but it also involves different aspects of personality and temperament, because a lot of time management is about how you work with others and manage others, and also about how pressure impacts on you and what you do to manage that pressure. 
So the first thing I would say is that it might be useful for you to consider attending the session, and here I'm promoting my own sessions, um, or indeed accessing the follow-up video on communicating assertively, and that's taken place on the 14th of December, and active resilience, and that's on the 11th of March. Assertiveness might come into time management when, for example, you have to negotiate a deadline, you know, maybe with your manager, encourage someone else to perform better, um, say no to taking on extra work, so things like that. So that's where assertiveness comes in. And of course, most jobs and most lives have times when there's a considerable amount of pressure. And I will touch on that today, but you might also want to consider the active resilience session for that reason. So I'm starting with why time management is important. And as I said, I mean important to you, but also important to employers. So most jobs will require you to be able to manage different demands on your time. And often those demands can seem never ending. So there are jobs where the pressure can be continuous. Um, it might be that you work for a lot of different people who all want you know, different things done at the same time, but don't necessarily consider that you have tasks to complete for other other bosses. Um, you might have to work in a fast, busy environment with, for example, lots of customer demands, maybe in maybe you've part time job, for example, in a retail or a restaurant situation where you may be expected almost to be in two places at once or at the very least it, it can feel like that. Or it might be that you're particularly involved in an important lengthy project with a lot of different aspects to it, perhaps lots of people involved, maybe a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Maybe it's something that would be a great expense to the company or, you know, there's a lot of money at stake. Perhaps you might be in a job with lots of constant multiple deadlines that are always challenging. So an employer is going to want to know that when they hire someone, they have some confidence that this person can plan their work so that they can meet deadlines, that they will meet quality standards, because, you know, obviously you can meet deadlines without it, it meeting the correct quality as well, that the person can manage the resources that they have. That includes time, but it might be other people, it might be different types of resources that can deal with the pressure that having those challenges will create. So the, the employer will be looking for evidence that you can manage your own time. They'll also want someone that won't stress everyone else out when the pressure hits. Um, and and that, that's important because how you behave obviously is gonna have a big impact on, on, you know, on other people as well. And they'll want to know that the person they're employing can be left to their own devices to get on with the work and that they will manage um, so you'll want to provide examples or evidence to employers to show that you're able to work autonomously, that you're able to organize yourself and your resources, that you're able to track your progress, prioritize your work and meet your targets. And all of that while remaining calm and handling the pressure. So as we're going through today's session, start to think about how you can evidence your time management and your prioritization skills. Maybe times when you had to work to a lot of different, perhaps conflicting deadlines, maybe a project that you worked on alone, 
or as part of a team, uh, a time when you thought things were going well and then suddenly things changed and had to be managed. That's that's usually quite a good one to be able to, to think of examples for. And think about how you manage yourself now. What do you do to organize yourself? You know, you, you all have deadlines with assignments and exams. Some of you will also be working in part-time jobs, or maybe if you're a part-time student, a, a full-time job. Some of you might have caring responsibilities for children or for parents. So what is working for you and what could you do better? What are your particular challenges? Where do you feel the pressures? Are you always on time to appointments like your lectures or are you always running late? Um, you know, are you often panicked about getting assignments finished on time or worse, are you often late with them? So think about what is working for you and obviously do more of that and think about what doesn't work for you and then start to think about changing that up. So very simply, do more of what is working for you and do less of what is not working for you. But the key is to find out for you as an individual what exactly those things are. So good time management is about fulfilling all of your commitments to an acceptable standard and at the same time making sure that you're able to cope with it. So for most of us, it will be about juggling responsibilities and tasks that we have to get done. But it's also about managing ourselves so that we can take on and perhaps drop activities and responsibilities as, as is necessary, as your priorities change, for example. So you might, uh, obviously we all need money, but if you need money, you probably consider your part-time job to be a big priority. But as your exams come closer, you might consider cutting down on your work hours to give yourself time to do the studying that you need to. So you will shift your priorities when you need to, when you recognize that the priorities are changing. So let's break it down a little bit, fulfilling all of your commitments. That means not letting the ball drop on anything that needs to be done. And that will include your personal as well as your work commitments to an acceptable standard. So that's not everything done to perfection. And that's important for some, certainly for some people who are perfectionists um, because that can put an awful lot of pressure onto you. But it can be hard to decide what an acceptable standard is. Is it your standards? Is it your lecturer's standard? Is it your employer's standard? So, you know, that's something to contend with as well. And then of course, all the commitments in our lives might also include commitments to family, to friends, to partners, even to pets. They're, they're important too if you need to be walking them, feeding them, etc. So often what we see happening is the commitments in one area of our lives, like work or like exams, becomes the focus and other commitments can, I suppose, fall by the wayside, become a lower priority. And that can cause problems in itself because, for example, you know, your partner might not be too happy when you're constantly working long hours. Uh, perhaps a club or society that you're committed to might not be too thrilled whenever you neglect them because you have an assignment deadline. And if you have a part time job, 
your employer might not be very sympathetic to your exam woes. So the pressure can come not just from ourselves, but also the pressure can come from other people. Other people can put pressure on us. And again, you need to be aware and you need to recognize that. And if that happens for a long time, then that pressure, you know, can also affect your health. Uh, so again, you can see that when we talk about time management um, and we talk about organizing ourselves and prioritizing things, and then we add in all of the sort of external things, that the external factors that also impact, um, then you also have to take care of yourself and it can get complicated. So there's quite a lot of things involved there. Most people think that it's just about organizing yourself. But as I said before, it's also about your personality, your temperament, how you deal with other people as well. One of the reasons that I know the time management can be a real problem for people is that whenever I would have been doing training for staff for many, many years, those sessions always fill up. People want to know that, you know, what the secret to time management is. And I'd love to tell you that there is a secret, a magic wand for it, but there really isn't. Being a good time manager is about being conscious of your time and how precious it is and working on it, um, using, using your time very consciously, using it very wisely. And it, as I said, it won't be the same for everyone. For example, you know, over the years, I have used all sorts of techniques to keep track of what what all I have to do. And of course, there's so much technology around that can help or indeed hinder us in doing that. If you're working as part of a project team, you'll probably all be expected to use the same type of technology so that everything can be tracked and monitored. And the project manager can immediately see what has been done and what still needs to be done. So if you use technology like that, it's a good idea to have an example that you can talk about to an employer as to how you use it, what's good about it, how does it work well for you. Personally, I have tried all sorts of things and you know what, I just come back to using a notebook with my to-do lists in it. But what I'm very careful about is that you know everything is in one place that's that's the important thing for me there will not be post-it notes all over the place um because obviously you can easily lose them but even just the fact that they're all over the place rather than in one place means that you're more likely to get overwhelmed by what you have to do so i as i say keep it in one notebook i update it regularly i cross out things that have already been done um, and I not, no longer have to think about them. Once they're crossed out, they're gone. And perhaps one of the worst things that will lead us to feeling overwhelmed is not so much about the amount that we have to do, but the lack of control that we feel we have over it. So whatever system that you use, you know, whether it's a notebook, whether it's you're much more likely to use a technical system, um, but try to keep it something that's simplified. Try to eliminate duplication, for example. Definitely keep it all in one place so that you know that everything that you have to do is listed in that one place. And it does require you to develop a routine and it requires you to, to be disciplined about it. 
And often the busier that you are, the more disciplined that you have to be in keeping those routines going. That will keep you feeling in control. Having everything in one place also means that you can look at your list and make decisions on it. So it's it's important to, you know, as I say, make sure that you maintain the routines of being disciplined about keeping your to-do lists in one place, whatever that list may be, and updating it and keeping going with it. And often whenever we feel more overwhelmed, that's when the routines fall by the wayside. But it's even more important to keep to, you know, a regular routine at that point. So, so be aware of that. So let's say you're at an interview and a question like this one comes up. When you're faced with a number of different tasks, what techniques do you use to prioritize and work your way through them? So that's the sort of question that, that you know, is likely to come up. So when you're faced with a number of different tasks, what techniques do you use to prioritize and work your way through them? Now, obviously, formulate your own answer to this. I'm, I'm not advocating that you know, I'm giving you a perfect answer to this by any means. I want you to use what you actually do, but to do it in a way that is going to look good for you, obviously. So you'll want to consider things like obviously making a plan. Where do you start? Look at everything that has to be done. Um, and when each task has to be done by, and that's important. So it's not just what has to be done, but when's the deadline for each task as well? Work out what is most important and what needs to be prioritized. Break down the tasks into specific actions, especially if it's big tasks and you need to make them doable for you. So break down what's actually involved in each of the tasks. Then make an assessment of how long each task will take and that will inform when they have to be started. And obviously that's important for your planning. Look for problems. So am I relying on other people doing their bit before I can do mine, for example? What will I do about that? What resources are available to me? Are other people going to be available to help out if necessary? Do I have everything that I need to complete the tasks? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to ask for things early on in the process? Is there anything I can get rid of or put off until later? And then put together the plan based on your priorities, perhaps working backwards from each deadline. Obviously, you'll want to allow room for some flexibility and you'll want to put review, review targets in place to check on how each task is progressing and if the plan needs to be adjusted, because often whenever you make a plan and you keep track of it, you do have to be flexible with it and make adjustments to it and put the plan into action. And obviously that's the important bit because having a plan doesn't solve your time management. It's putting the plan into action. That's the important bit. And then keep on top of those targets. So then you'll have your big plan in place and you will work out what needs to be done as daily tasks while constantly monitoring how the plan is going. Okay, so you've got your big plan and then you maybe have your daily or weekly tasks as well. 
when you're looking at your daily tasks, you might consider what can you group together to be more efficient? For example, do, doing all of your emails or your telephone calls in one go. You might think about when do you have the most energy to tackle things. So you might need to plan your creative tasks, for example, for when you have the most energy to do them. And again, that's different for everybody. Um, what is going to take up the most time? And you, you got to consider that in your plan as well. And what tasks are going to get you the most results? And that's a very important one as well to look at, you know, what actually is going to see as a, an achievement, as, as a really good uh a really good use of your time. So what tasks are going to get you the most results? And remember, one of the reasons for a good plan is to stop you feeling overwhelmed because it gives you a sensible plan of action. It unclutters the mind. You don't, you know, have to keep everything in your head because you know it is all safely recorded, all kept in one place. And it keeps you focused on what the priorities are. So an employer will want to know that you can get yourself organized to manage the pressure and that you can deal with the pressure. So you might also consider that it is going to be, you know, if it's going to be a particularly pressurized time, then you know that you need to take care of yourself. So how do you do that? It might be something like, you know, I make sure I get enough sleep at least while I can. I stay hydrated. Um, I stay off the extra strong coffee and if I can manage it, I will get some exercise in, which always helps me to stay relaxed. And again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to think about what is your evidence? What is your experience of being able to handle that pressure? What What is, is it that you do? And now here's the thing. So what is it that you actually do rather than what you would be saying that you do? Because I want you to help obviously, to get you through an interview. Um, it is about employability skills. But I also want you to, you know, to help you with your own time management and your pressure levels. So if the truth is that when faced with lots of deadlines, you run around like a headless chicken, talking, you know, taking your stress out maybe on everybody else, complaining about how much work you have to do, but not actually getting down to doing the work, staying up all night, but spending most of the time on social media and drinking Red Bulls, perhaps, then, you know, those are not any kind of time management skills that an employer wants. They're many people's reality, but not a good look. So be conscious of what it is that you actually do and what you should be doing to try and manage your time and your pressure. And it's also true that some people work better under pressure than others. Um, you know, some people will prefer to have a deadline that is quite close um, and maybe like to start things at the last minute. If you attend some of my other sessions, we talk a bit about that as well. Um, but if you have a lot of deadlines, you know, you can't conjure up time. So do be careful about leaving things. Even if you're somebody that says, I work well under pressure, I leave that for a while. Do be careful about it because you, you just don't know what's going to come up as well. But if it works for you um, and, you know, it doesn't work for others, also be careful if you're working with other people. So if you're doing a group project, then you need to be careful that you're not leaving things to the last minute because that will drive some of your colleagues bonkers. We all have the same amount of time. 
And if you're talking about multiple tasks, then it's unwise to leave it to the last minute. <clears throat> Excuse me. And while an employer might like to hear that you work well under pressure, they will want to know that you have good time management skills and that you've evidence of using them. And of course, the important thing is that you are prepared to talk about how you organize yourself. So even if you, you know, use great apps, you know, even if you just use pen and paper, make a list, do you have, you know, a way of being able to talk about it? So practice how you're actually going to say, you know, how you manage yourself. It's not enough to know that you do it. How are you going to talk about it? So you might use spreadsheets. You might use an app, a project management software tool. What you don't want is to say, I keep it all in my head or I have post-it notes all over the place. That's not what an employer is going to want to hear. OK, so just be conscious of that. Be careful about what you actually do and what you want to be talking about as well. So. Benefits of good time management. Why bother putting in all the effort and the discipline into managing your time? Some of the benefits of good time management include things like improving the quality of your work. And that's always going to make a good impression for you, obviously. You can work more strategically. Um, spend, time do spend time doing the more important things things that are going to be of most value to you. I've already said about, you know, what things are going to make the difference if you actually achieve them. So work out what's going to be the most value to you. It can help you to work faster. And I'll give you an example of working faster shortly. Um, but essentially not being distracted by irrelevant things means that you get more important stuff done quickly, done more quickly. You're likely to make fewer, <coughs> excuse me, fewer mistakes. Often we make mistakes when we're rushing or when we are feeling a bit overwhelmed. And obviously, even one small mistake can take a lot of time to put right. Even if it was just stuffing envelopes or something and you suddenly realize that you haven't put everything into the envelope. Imagine how long it can take to rectify that. So reducing your mistakes is a really useful time saver in itself. So good time management can mean that you're faced with fewer crises because crises always seem to crop up at the last minute when the deadline is looming. Unforeseen things will always happen. But if you're constantly doing things at the last minute, then you really don't have time for unforeseen things. If you have some flexibility built into your schedule, then you have a lot more capability to cope with unforeseen things. So, so you know, obviously then fewer crises, you know, do happen when you have that flexibility built in. It can help you to create a good impression. You know, if you're meeting your deadlines, if you know where to find things when you're asked for something, um, if you are seen to be coping well and not overwhelmed, um, if you work well with other people, then that helps to build your professional reputation. And it can improve your work satisfaction because obviously tasks are much more enjoyable if you're not feeling overwhelmed. Um, you're also able to pay more attention to things that you get more satisfaction out of doing. 
So if we're able to have home life where we don't have to think or worry about work, then our work-life balance is also much better as well. <clears throat> if you're not managing your time and you're constantly allowing work to take your to take over your home life, and then you're having to you know think about it all of the time. If your work life isn't finished, you know, if you don't get it done and you're on a nine to five basis, for example, then it does impact obviously in your in your personal life as well. So, you know, we're not talking about working miracles here. We're just talking about working the best that you can. Many places are understaffed at the minute um, and you can't do two people's jobs at once, although I do certainly hear about people trying to do that um, and and employers do expect that you do jobs you know that, that you do cram work into that short space of time but you know we can't work miracles you can only do the best with the time that you actually have so obviously if you're achieving all of your targets and you're not feeling overwhelmed you're more likely to feel more confident in your work but say, for example, you know that you're being asked to meet impossible deadlines. If you are not managing your time effectively, if you, if you know that you're not sort of managing your time well, if you, um, you know, you just keep, you're more likely to just keep taking on things and feeling more and more overwhelmed. But if you know that you are, you know, listing all of your tasks, if you've averaged out how long it's going to take you, if you've prioritized what's important, then you have a realistic idea of what you're able to do and what can't be done. And you're more likely to be much more confident at talking to your boss about why it can't be done and perhaps neg negotiating a new deadline. So the confidence thing can come from, you know, already being quite well organized. And it can also come from uh, knowing that whenever you negotiate over a deadline, that you've got all of the information there in terms of how long things are going to, to take and, you know, what pressure it's going to put on people to do that. So if you're prioritizing, it's important that you're already pretty good at organizing yourself. And if you're organized and you know exactly what it is that you have to do, it's a lot easier to be assertive in your interactions with others. And obviously, if we're feeling in control and we're feeling more confident and you have a good work-life balance and a good level of job satisfaction, then you're also likely to have lower stress levels. So, you know, there, there are a lot, a lot of benefits of good time management for you as an individual, also for an employer, obviously, as well because they don't want lots of stressed employer employees and they do actually want to get the work done as well. So that's why it's something that, you know, employers are going to ask about. So the other side of things then, looking at the consequences of bad time management. And as I read these out, you know, think about how the effects of this would build and build on a person. So deadlines get missed with all the difficulties that that might cause. You might miss appointments because you can't fit them in or because you haven't recorded them properly. You perhaps arrive at meetings without having prepared properly for them. 
tasks that you were supposed to do get forgotten about. Your desk becomes really untidy and you can't find anything on it, except maybe, you know, yesterday's sandwich or something. Um, routine work pushes out important tasks. And by that, I mean that if you haven't planned and prioritized what it is that you need to do, then you tend to fall into the trap of doing the everyday tasks that you, you don't need to give too much effort or thought to. So you are working, but you're not achieving very much. You're not pinning down those goals and targets. And so moving on to the next one, you're just covering the short term daily tasks and not spending time on the long term planning. And we tend to feel that we're not making any progress despite feeling that we're working hard. So we don't really know, you know where your time goes um, and we end up working longer hours or taking work home and we begin to feel overwhelmed, losing sleep and feeling stressed. So it really is you know, very possible to be feeling that you're working really hard, doing a lot of work, but if you haven't got those important things prioritized, then you're just working on the day to day and not hitting those achievements. So it's important to have that planning done, have that organization done and have that prioritization done. I haven't asked if there's any questions or anything, but obviously, as I said, you're welcome to pop in any questions as, as we go through. No, nope, you're so, all good yet, Rushing. Okay, thanks, Emma. So the basics then of controlling your time, establish what your priorities, what your responsibilities and your objectives are. That's, you know, that's your starting point. What actually needs to be done? What are the priorities? And make sure that you're considering everything whenever you're actually starting to plan. We've already covered that in terms of planning, but uh, you know it, it's important for you to think through how you like to plan and how you like to cover all the bases, basically. Eliminate all unnecessary and inappropriate activities. And I'm going to cover that one on the next slide, but I will say here, that sometimes we do work that is just not necessary. We duplicate things. And for some people, even things like, you know, their notes, for example, have to be written beautifully with color and with drawings. And if you have time for that and it works for you, then that's fine. But, you know, look out for what's unnecessary and remove what you can. Plan and schedule the use of your time daily and weekly and possibly monthly. And if you have long-term goals, you know, look at, you know, what those long-term goals are and include those in your plans as well. So we've, we've looked at, at the planning aspect of things. Make optimum use of your peak energy time. Now, you know, I wouldn't ever be saying to my boss, don't give me anything to do after lunch because I'm ready for a kip at that stage. It might be the truth, but it's not something I'm going to say to an employer. But if, if I'm able to plan my day and I know that I have either a more physical, um, you know, and mental energy in the morning, which is often the case for most people than in the afternoon. So I just feel more capable of doing harder tasks in the morning than in the afternoon. So I would keep, you know, the sort of the humdrum daily stuff to the afternoon 
and do the more creative or thoughtful work in the morning. Maybe even things that I, I really don't like doing that I put off, try and get that done then. You might have to work around things like when the library is open or a study space is available, or perhaps you might feel, you know, you might be one of those people that feel much more energized late at night. Um, and if that works for you, then maybe that's when you do your best work. It's different for everyone. And it's important for you to know when you are most energized to do your best work as well. So what works for you? And finally, reduce distractions. You know, we all do love a good distraction and sometimes it can be great. It can be just what you need, but not when you're busy. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what those distractions might be. So what's wasting your time? Now, one of the important ways that we can be more efficient with our time is to identify where our own personal time wasters are. And there's lots of questionnaires and things that you can do on it. But essentially, if you, you know, really take time to look at how you spend your day, then you can identify what your time wasters are. And, you know, it's 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 hard to get through a day without social media these days. Um, everything seems to be focused around it from friendship groups to your interests and hobbies even curating your professional reputation. And of course, in the career service, we like our students to follow us on social media as well. But we, you know, we all know that it can eat up our time. And if we're not careful, it can really, you know, take up an awful lot of our time. There's just so many things to look at and it's all so fast and it's endless. And that's the key thing because you can just continue and continue on social media. So unless you're very aware of how much time you're spending on it, time can just disappear. And to be honest, you know, we know that the vast majority of what we look at is dross. So if you find it difficult to limit your time on social media, you might consider things like old style, putting your phone in a drawer while you're trying to study or putting I don't know, a, a time lock on your apps that only allow you to access them for a certain length of time. You know, it's I'm, I'm not trying to, to treat you like children here or anything. It's for adults as much as um, it's for me as much as as well. Just try to break the habit, especially whenever you're busy of always being on, basically. And at the very least, turn off your notifications. But be aware, you know, maybe you're not someone that's, um, you know, spending a lot of time on social media. That's great. Just be aware of how much time you do spend on it. Other people can waste their time. It might be, for example, a flatmate that always encourages you to go off and do something else when you should be working. Um, or it might just be that they simply stop by and, and, and talk forever. Um, it can be exactly the same in an office situation as well, when someone stops at your desk and chats when you really don't have the time to chat. And here again is where it's important to be able to be assertive and to tell someone that you just don't have the time to chat at the moment. And some people feel, you know, it's hard to do that because it's rejecting people. But, you know, you have to be respectful of your time and other people's time as well.
So again, there's where assertiveness comes into time management. Peripheral noise. Now, this isn't something that tends to bother me very much, um, but I know that it can be a big problem for other people. And it could be something, you know, anything from external machinery noises to someone playing a radio in the background to voices in an open office. Um, if you can't move away from the noise, then you have to be able to block it out in some way. So it, you might want to try something like noise cancelling headphones or use white noise or brown noise. Unlike social media, you know, you will be very aware if the noise is making you waste time because it will be very annoying to you. So be aware of it. See if there's anything that you can do about it, of course. And of course, you have to also consider how you yourself are a factor in wasting your own time. Are you, for example, a procrastinator? Do you think that you have plenty of time to do something because you know you don't know what all is involved, for example? Um, do you not pay attention to the times of appointments or record them properly? Do you go to bed so late that you can't get up on time? or you don't have the energy to do things. Because even studying requires a good deal of energy. I say even studying does require a good deal of energy. You need to be mentally alert to be able to take those um, facts and figures in. So nothing will make you doze more than having to read some academic papers. Not all, but some academic papers. So you do have to be alert and have energy to be able to do that. Maybe you're someone who doesn't plan or prioritize or you don't organize yourself. Maybe you get bored very easily or, as I say, maybe you're a perfectionist. And if you can't do something perfectly, you don't put the time into doing it at all. So there are many ways that we can sabotage our own time management. One very clear one, a very simple one, is having a very untidy work area. And the more things that are in your view, the more that you're distracted. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's impossible not to be distracted by the things around us unless you have a very tunnel vision or something. So one thing obviously to do is to organize your workspace around you. So from the point of view of interviews, I would say to be aware of what your time management issues are but make sure that you have tackled it the best you can as well. Some people use these things to address that weakness question in interviews, you know, tell me about your weaknesses. If you are going to do that, then you need to be very strategic about it. So, for example, if a job requires you to be organized, if it's, you know, in the job description that they want an organized person, then don't tell them how disorganized you are. They can find that out for themselves when you get the job, hopefully. Um, and better yet, get yourself organized because there's no reason that with some discipline, with some enthusiasm to be organized, that you can't be organized. But just be aware, you know, of what's in the job description and what you don't want to be saying about yourself as well. I always think you have to be honest in interviews. You just don't have to say everything about yourself. All right, so this next one is where I was giving you the heads up for folks in terms of uh, having a 
pen and, and paper ready and a timer. So a timer on your phone if you can. So I want to, to look at a couple of time management techniques. But before I do that, I want to just talk you through, I suppose, this myth of multitasking, because for a long time, we're all told we should be able to multitask. Now, that I know that we all have to do more than one thing at a time. That's, you know, just something that that daily life requires us to do. We have to tend to a lot of things and we have to give our attention to a lot of things. But ideally, in terms of time management and indeed in terms of stress management, it would be better if we could just do one thing at a time. So this is, as I said, what I give you the heads up for at the beginning of the session. If you want to get your timer and your pen and your paper ready, please do. And all that I want, all that I want to, to ask you to do is just start your timer and print out multitasking waste time and then underneath it, the numbers 1 to 22. Anybody finished yet? Anybody doing it? 35, 35 yeah. seconds. We've got one minute. OK, good. OK, so 26 seconds. <laughs> 50 seconds. 50, okay, it's, it's not a contest. I really just wanted to know that most people were finished. So the second part of it, folks, is to write out the same thing. And again, you're timing yourself again. But this time, when you write the M, you then write 1, U, 2, L, 3, etc. So you're writing exactly the same thing, but you're going from the letter to the number. So just start your timers again, and off you go. Emma, did you try it at all? <laughs> I'm allowed to admit that I'm multitasking. <laughs> Are you even listening, Emma? <laughs> I am listening. I'm taking all the little things here. Everybody's she's gone up. She's working hard, folks. <laughs> everybody's, so key, everybody's gone up. Yeah, the, the key thing, I'm trying to see what mine was. So, so I think I was something like 25 for the first one. 47 for the second one and and the key thing to note folks is that it's exactly the same thing that you're writing okay you're still just writing multitasking wastes time but all that you're being asked to do this time is to switch from one thing to the other and just doing that for me basically doubled my time that it took me to do it not only did it almost double the time that it took me to do it but it was also incredibly annoying. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of you didn't finish off that task itself, because, you know, after a while, when you're halfway through that multitasking and writing those numbers, it becomes annoying because your brain has to keep switching and switching. So, you know, so it this is from um, a book that I read by Dave Crenshaw, Crenshaw called The Myth of Multitasking. Um, and what he calls it is switch tasking rather than multitasking. And if we're not doing things that are not so simple, it may mean that each time we have to switch. Oh, I've, I've lost my, my things there again, my notes. That each time that you have to switch, you're basically having to get your brain to think about it again. And obviously, when you're just doing a task like this, and much though I said that it is annoying whenever you're doing it like this, it also means that even whenever you're, you know, sitting at your desk and having to change to 
whether it's, you know, there's an email alert and so you look at it. Whenever you come back to do the task again, your brain has to get adjusted to it as well. So if you're able to, now that you know that multitasking doesn't necessarily speed things up for you, if you can try and concentrate on doing one thing at a time, then that in itself will help you to focus, hopefully do a better job and also to save you some time. Okay. Procrastination, and that one kind of feeds quite well on from, from um, some of the things that, you know, I've been talking about before. Not everyone is a procrastinator. I'm certainly guilty of it sometimes. Um, and what I mean by procrastination is when you put off things that you know you should be doing, and you know that if you don't do it, there will be negative consequences to it. So what are the sort of things that we usually put off? Indeed, what are the sort of things that you usually put off? Because if you are someone that does that, and most of us do it for some things, then it's important to be aware of what sort of things that you procrastinate with. So usually it's things that we don't like doing. Um, maybe we don't feel capable of doing it. Maybe we're a bit fearful of doing it. We're not sure if we know the correct way to do it. Maybe it's a task that's very big and complex and we just don't know where to start. Maybe there's, you know, a lack of clearly defined goals or objectives and the consequences could be really varied, but chances are you might feel some, you know, guilt about it if, if you aren't actually doing the activity that you should be doing because you know you should be doing it um, and you might even feel stressed over it. So, for example, you might wake up in the middle of the night, be anxious about something that you feel that you should have done, promise yourself faithfully that you're going to do it the next day and the same thing happens again the next night because in the middle of the night you'll say, I'll get that done, but you don't have a plan in place to actually do it. And then obviously, if you continue to do that, it can often get worse and worse and you put more pressure on yourself. Or indeed, the consequences might become more unpleasant because you have to do things in a rush at the very end. So it's important to be aware of, of you know, what um, you are procrastinating on and if you need to make changes, obviously. So, um, Years ago, I remember many years ago, whenever I was studying for exams, um, I had a big rubber plant, one of those big cheese plants, I think you called it, one of those with the great big leaves on it. And I remember dusting and polishing that plant, those lovely big leaves, instead of studying. Now, you know, that plant probably never got polished until the next set of exams came along. But I was doing a displacement activity instead of what I should have been doing. And often we procrastinate over starting things like an assignment or starting to do our, our studying. Usually starting something is the worst part of it. So in order to break down, you know, that procrastination, I think that it's important to first of all acknowledge that we are procrastinating. Actually say to yourself, I know I should be doing that but I am procrastinating. And once you put a label on it, sometimes it's easier to actually deal with it. Ask yourself why, why is it, what is it about this particular thing that is making you procrastinate on it? Um, 
acknowledge the consequences of it. You know, so what effect is it going to have if you continue to procrastinate on it? What effect is it going to have on you particularly? And then breaking the procrastination habit requires you to be determined and disciplined and motivated. And at times you will have to force yourself to change your behaviour and you will need to block out distractions. So, but that first thing of actually saying to yourself that I am procrastinating on this and I am going to change it. To me, that's the very important part of it. So write down what you need to do. And, you know, writing in itself can be a powerful motivator. So I would say to you, don't don't just lie awake at four o'clock in the morning and say to yourself what you're going to do. Actually write down, perhaps not at four o'clock, but the next day, what it is that, that you want to do. Writing it down also enables you to see the goal more clearly, to see exactly what you need to do to achieve it. Break up the tasks into simple steps that aren't too daunting. Maybe set yourself those smart goals, those smart objectives and, and deadlines. And, you know, deadlines are often the only thing that do motivate people into action. So maybe do set yourself a, an actual deadline for that procrastination. You might even want to get other people involved. So, for example, you might say to your housemate, you're not going to see me again until I have the first thousand words written or whatever it might be for you. One thing that helps me is rather than saying, I'll just have a cup of coffee and then I'll begin. Instead, what I say is I'll do 20 minutes of solid work on it and then I'll have a cup of coffee. So reward yourself after you get something done, after you've achieved something, not before. Okay. So I'm just going to cover a couple of time management techniques. And this one, strangely enough, called Eat That Frog, fits in very well with procrastination. It's based on the premise that if you start your day by doing the hardest, most onerous tasks first, and getting them out of the way, then everything after that is easier. And it works by doing some more of that planning that I've obviously talked to you a fair bit about here. So you set a clear goal. You think about what it is that you want to achieve most. Write down your goal and set a deadline for it. And then compile a list of tasks involved in achieving the goal. And, you know, you'll recognize a lot of these things are around the same sort of thing. Prioritizing, organizing yourself, making sure that you know what's important. So prioritize the list and you'll probably find that the most important things are also the most difficult. And these, according to the book, are your frogs what we will call your frogs. So the impor important part is to take action and get that frog eaten. <laughs> it sounds very much like I'm a celebrity, get me out of here or something. But get that frog eaten and out of the way. And this technique can work very well for long-term goals because it means that you're not putting them off, but tackling them a bit at a time. And I nearly said a ribbit at a time. So, okay, I did say it. I shouldn't have done that. All right, so the second technique then, which I think works very well as a study technique, and I'm sure some of you have already used it, is the Pomodoro technique. 
It was created by Francesco Cirillo, probably not pronouncing that right, um, and basically means that you break down your work into intervals using a timer with each interval known as a Pomodoro. So imagine, for example, you have three chapters that you want to read and make notes on. Set your timer for the length of time that you want your intervals to be. An example is maybe around about 25 minutes because we can't concentrate for, for too much longer than that. So say you start your, your studying at 10 a.m. Set your timer for 25 minutes and when it goes off, you mark your page with a post-it or something like that and you have a five minute break. And it's probably also worth setting your timer for five minutes so as you know when you're coming back to, to your work again. Um, you resume your studying at 10.30 and again you set your timer for 25 minutes again so that you have another break at 10.55. Now at some point you'll need a longer break so the rec the recommendation is that when you have completed four intervals, you take a longer break of about 20 to 30 minutes. And the point of it is that, you know, we can only concentrate on something for short periods of time, especially if it is something like, you know, studying. So knowing that you have a short break coming up, coming up shortly, helps you to focus on getting the studying done in the given time that you have. It also means that you deliberately take a short time out to give your eyes and your brain a break so that you're more refreshed when you get back to it. And I would recommend that you drink water during that time as well. So now this is a very different, this is very different from switch tasking. So remember that where you go from one thing to another. For one thing, if you noticed, I said, mark your page where you left it. Um, where you left off. So that means that you don't have to take time searching for it when you get back to it. But this is not switching to another task. It's about you relaxing and refreshing so that you can do more good work. And if you're on a computer rather than on books, it's even more important, I think, to take that time away from the computer as well, to take those planned breaks. So, you know, stretch out, take a walk around and just have some break from the actual studying that you're doing, knowing that you're going to get back into it again very shortly. And then Parkinson's law, it's not so much, I suppose, a time management technique as a law based on the phrase, work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Coined by the historian Cyril Parkinson, Basically, however much time you allow yourself to complete a task is the amount of time that it will take you to complete it. So if you say, I have until midnight to finish it, then it will probably be midnight before you do finish it. OK, and if you think about it, how many of you have been rushing to meet your turn it in deadline? Because it is that deadline that you have in your mind. So instead, maybe try setting 12 noon as your deadline rather than 12 midnight. And, you know, let's be very clear about this. That's the 12 noon before the midnight deadline, not the 12 noon after the midnight, midnight deadline. So if we agree with this concept that work expands to fit the time available, then what we're trying to do is limit the time that we make available to it. 
so we work more efficiently in shorter bursts of time. We set our deadline and then shorten it, maybe cut it in half or maybe a third. Remember, if you don't get it finished in time, you still have more time left. But if you start off by telling yourself that, then you're going to fill that time slot. So plan to get something done early rather than for the last minute. As I said, make your assignment deadline noon rather than midnight, for example. You can also put other time challenges on yourself as well. So it could be, um, you know, just to concentrate your focus, you might do something, for example, like, um, you know, work without your laptop charger. That would force you to get it finished before the computer dies, for example. That's a bit risky. So, you, you know, consider, take that as a considered one. Um, but you can also set yourself other sort of time limits as well for tasks that, you know, even perhaps that you do on a daily basis. So you might say, I'm not going to spend any more than 20 minutes in the morning to answer emails, for example. So just about, you know, rather than giving yourself the full amount of time to do something, shorten it down so that you're so uh, and it's also probably quite good for not having those crisis situations as well because you're trying to finish something well before the deadline so i wanted to round up just a few reminders from the session and a couple of extra thoughts um good time management is about understanding what works for you and what is not working for you and it's not the same for everyone. So, you know, you really do have to think about what it is for you. For example, I spend very little time on social media. And when I do, it's only ever in the evenings. That would not work for everyone, obviously. But I do know that I would fall foul of Parkinson's law that I've just described to you. So, for example, if I'm putting together one of these sessions, you know, I can take days and days to do it trawling through my notes, trawling the internet. And yet if I have to put together a session very quickly, I also know that I can do that too. So, you know, maybe not allowing that time to be filled is an important one for me. So recognizing what your own time management issues are is a very important step in managing your time management. So find out what behaviors do not work for you and then do your best to remove them. Set about creating good habits, such as taking 10 minutes in your day to plan your tasks for you know, that day or for the next day, depending on, on when you like to do your planning. And then be really disciplined about it. Um, you know, about maintaining those good habits. And again, I said to you before, when things are getting a bit intense, it can be hard to maintain those good habits, but that's the very time that you want to try and maintain those habits and stick to that sort of routine that will help you. A very important aspect of meeting deadlines and achieving goals is about being very clear about what the goal is in the first place. And this might be something that you could mention at interview, depending on you know what is asked, um, but how important it is to clarify the goals and know what the priorities are. That would fit very well into the workplace. Use technology effectively to work for you. There are many good apps out there to help you schedule and to help you to keep all your tasks in one place. As I said, I prefer a notebook, but most people would go with technology. 
What you don't want to do is to spend time duplicating things. So try and find one system that works for you. And it's hard to be truly organized in an untidy workspace. I know plenty of people will say, I know where everything is, but, you know, it's still a distraction. So um, so is not for it not to be a distraction. Try and keep your workspace free of clutter and organized. It will make you feel better about sitting down to do your assignments or do your studying. That's another one that I constantly have to attend to. So I'm not a naturally very tidy person, but it's something that I'm very aware of. And so it's something that I do constantly attend to. And don't waste time on things that don't need to be done. You know, have you ever spent all day working and at the end of the day thought that you really had very little to show for it? You know, you really hadn't progressed any of your goals. You haven't felt that you've achieved very much. Now, if you have prioritized, if you have a pr prioritized plan, then that won't happen because you will have worked out what are the priorities and what you need to be working on. So work out what interruptions and distractions you usually have to deal with. Often they're caused by ourselves, not just by other people, not switching off notifications and things like that. But where other people are involved, then you might have to come up with assertive ways to limit those interruptions. A straightforward, I'm not available until after 8 p.m. or I'm too busy working on an assignment, you know, might be enough to do it. But have your phrases ready that you want to use. Um, I haven't really talked much about perfectionism. I know I mentioned it. Now, generally in the workplace, you know, we're not receiving marks out of 100 for anything that we do. We have goals and we have targets to meet and we do our best to meet them. And so I know that for you, your assignments are, are different because they are marked and perhaps spending some extra time on them will get you, you know, those extra few marks to get you a higher grade. That's absolutely fine as long as you're managing that okay. If it means that you don't get any sleep for a fortnight, then it's not worth it. So look at what the actual requirement is and if you need to meet it, um, you know, and, and, and if you already meet it and try and work out how long it might be for you to be able to spend, you know, to improve on that. How, how, long, how much longer might it take you to get a couple of extra marks? Is that going to be necessary? Ask yourself, is it then worth it? OK, so if you are someone who feels that you're a perfectionist and that's causing you issues, then it is something that you do need to be careful about and to work on and to ask yourself what what actually is good enough. Um, obviously, if it means that you can't work on other things, if you're you know, not meeting other deadlines because you want something to be perfect, then, you know, you do have to obviously, you know, change that up. And finally, I think it's really important to respect other people's time. And that's not something that's mentioned very much whenever we talk about time management. But I think that it's important because just as I've said, you know, other people will affect your time management. You will for other people as well. So for things like when people ask for something to be done by a certain date, then respect their time management and get it done for that date as well if you can. We don't want to be known as that person who you know, wastes your time. And it's important to recognize when other people are busy 
and possibly under pressure as well. And again, in terms of working with other employees, being respectful of other people's time is just something that's really important. It, it shows your respect of them as well. All right, so now we're getting into the interview preparation end of things. And as always, I always remind you about the STAR technique for effectively answering interview questions. Basically, you want to be able to tell the interviewer your story by putting your answer into context for them. So when you're formulating an answer for your interview, try and follow the STAR technique. It makes your answers clear, it makes them logical, and it means that you're getting across the main points that you need to. So as always, start by listening carefully to the question and think of the example that you're going to use. Now, hopefully you will have already prepared answers or similar ones ahead of time. But even if you're thinking on your feet, frame your answer into situation, task, action and result. So describe the event or the situation that you were in. Explain the task that you had to complete. What were the challenges? Describe the specific actions that you personally took to complete the task. Um, and I do like to tell you that you can say what you did as a team member, but you should also say what you personally did. You're the person that's being interviewed. And finish with the results. So what was the result of your actions? Were there benefits? Were there savings? What was the impact? And then one further thing that I want to mention to you is um, just to make you aware of the software that's available to you to practice interviews. It's called Shortlist Me and Emma will put the link into the chat for you, but you can also find it on the careers website. So the package provides interviews for spe specific, whoops, can't say that word suddenly, specific companies. Um, so for example, Virgin Media, AstraZeneca and the NHS, but it also provides a chance to interview for roles, not just for specific companies, but for different roles, perhaps in law and banking, engineering, things like that. So there's a broad range of opportunities for you to practice your interviews. Even if you don't find one that's exactly what you want, it's still a good way of practicing for interviews. Often you'll find that similar questions come up anyway. Once you register um, onto the, the software, you're then in control of when the interview practice is, but you only have three days to complete the interview at a time that suits you. So now you're not interacting with any real life people. There's you know, nothing to be wary of at all. You'll be responding to pre-recorded questions as if it was an online interview. And you get a short amount of time to prepare your answer and then you give your answer. It's about five or six questions for each interview. And the important thing is that you also get some feedback on how you did. Again, it's automated feedback, so you're not interacting with anyone, but it is a good interactive quality experience. So again, I think Emma maybe has put that link into the chat. Do go ahead and make the most of it, folks. It's, it's, it's a, a good piece of software. It's a good way to practice your interview skills. So some sample interview questions then. How do you plan to ensure you complete a number of tasks effectively? So we've covered planning 
um, you know, as I said, do it in your own words, build your own experience into it, give examples and mention any technology that you like to use. Describe a large piece of work you've planned yourself. Again, this is about um, how you go about organizing yourself to complete something that probably would take quite a while. It might be, um, it could be a group project where you've been involved in planning. It may be something like your dissertation or something like that. We've, you know, done the whole planning for it and it's quite a long period of time. Um, what techniques do you use to get things done? Now with this, I would definitely talk about planning. But you want to make sure, you know, that you also talk about how you can stay focused. Um, what techniques do you use to do that? You could maybe talk about technology, about something like, you know, maybe some of those techniques like the Pomodoro or eat that frog. You don't have to call it that, by the way. You could just say that you do the hardest things first. OK. Um, during your most recent team project, how did you participate in its planning? So what was your role in accomplishing the action steps needed to complete the project? How did you measure its success? And that's quite a big question because it is about how you interact in a team as well as time management. So when you're answering that one, make sure to take other team members into, into consideration as well. How did you bring them along? Um, and measuring its success is about setting those clear goals early on so that you can decide if they were met successfully, you know, and how you were going to measure them. And remember, it is about working in your examples and your experience. Another one then, it's a busy day with conflicting priorities and deadlines. What do you do? So take time to work out what is urgent and what is important. Prioritize what has to be done in what order. And decide if anything can be left until tomorrow or if there is room for anyone else to take anything on. You know, I wouldn't go into an interview and push. Uh, let's see if we can get somebody else to do this. But, you know, if they give you a scenario, it might be something that you, you could use as well. Um, because it, in real life, it is important that we would look to other team members and things to help us out as well. Uh, making sure that you're taking short time out so that you can focus on the tasks and not getting yourself overwhelmed. Give us an example of a situation where you worked under pressure. Now, you have to remember that you are probably being interviewed by people who constantly work under pressure. So you're not trying to you know, to beat them to one-upmanship or anything for the amount of pressure that you can work under. But you do want to come up with something that is substantial. So if you have a work example, so much the better. If you can add in your studies, your caring responsibilities possibly, um, maybe short, important deadlines, stressing how important the deadline was or how important the activity was, so much the better. Remember to have a good example prepared. And again, think about that star system again and how you want to actually word the example. So set out it in terms of the situation for them. Paint that picture of 
how much pressure you were under. Um, you can then talk about how you managed everything. What did you do to handle it? And how did you manage the pressure personally? So your situation, um, what were the tasks that you had to, to you know, complete? Um, what were the actions that you took to manage the situation? And what were the results? Another one then, what would you do if you were scheduled to attend some training, but a piece of urgent work for a client popped up? And again, this is about prioritizing, but also looking at other options. So what options are available to you? Are you able, for example, um, you know, maybe to attend the training at another time? If it's a very expensive course that you've been signed up to do, you might not want to, to miss out on it. Um, but is the training recorded so that you can, you know, catch up on it at another time? so that you can access it later on? Is anyone else available to work for the client? How long will it take for you to actually get the work done? Um, could you miss the first half hour of the training? Could you do the task at lunchtime? Again, clarify if the piece of work is genuinely urgent or if it can wait until after the training session. So ultimately, you will want to make sure that the work is done for the client to their satisfaction. And finally, how do you handle pressure? So obviously by putting all of those techniques into place and by taking care of yourself as part of that process um, and, and making sure that you have a good example about pressure and how you handled it at that time. Because it's always good to be able to recall something that you can say, and this is how I handled it. Okay, so I've given you a quick run through of those questions. Now would be a good time if you have any questions that you want to ask for Emma and myself here. Okay, well, I will move on just to the final two slides and you are still welcome to put in any questions that you want to there. So just some reminders for you. I will put the slides for the session into the chat so you'll have them to take away with you and also some information on Shortlist Me. Um, could I ask you to fill in the feedback form in the chat? And as I said to you at the beginning, you can do it anonymously, but if you wish to have a chance of winning the £25 shopping voucher, which you may as well do, then please fill in your details. And I also want to give you some dates for the rest of the sessions which are coming up and you can still book on to. Um, and we will also have some extra sessions in development weeks and some of them will be live events. So I'm going to put up that list. It is in the PDF of the slides, so you don't need to take them down or anything. Did I see a question coming in there, Emma? Yep, just answering it now. All right, okay. It's not one for everybody then. Um, question is, do you have multiple examples to explain other things that we do outside of our work deadlines? And just um, make sure you structure your answer. OK, so don't give a whole ream of things that people are going to. I do A, B, C, D, E. Structure your answer. S-T-A-R. OK, think what they're asking you to do. Give them the result. Make sure it's tight. OK, so don't give lots and lots and lots of things. OK.
Give the most important ones. And if you can think through beforehand, well, what, what, you know, obviously I'm saying to you now, have really good examples of your time management. Maybe it is one long project thing. Maybe it's multiple tasks, but have your best examples ready. And as Emma said, structure it into that star framework and have those. Because I always think, you know, if you've got, if you're maybe asked 10 questions in an interview and you've been able to prepare for about, six seven eight of them then even if two other questions catch you out you've already done a good job anyway so you know do try and prepare your answers in in the best way that you can for for anything that might come up and I realize I've been very bad in terms of time management and uh, gone well over my time on this so apologies for that You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access other Biteside Skills sessions, please visit our website, go.qub.ac.uk forward slash careers, or follow at QUB Careers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.